Hey everybody, it's Russ McCall again. This is the Gospel Call. I'm your host. We're looking again at some of our content that we're trying to catch up on, and today we're looking at what should have been our Bible study at Panera Bread on Tuesday. We couldn't gather, so I wanted to share with you the content of that study had we gotten together. It's essentially a synopsis of a sermon that I gave this past Lord's Day that I attempted to record on SoundCloud, but unfortunately did not take. I'm still trying to work out my issues with SoundCloud. They haven't responded to my emails, and they don't have a phone number where you can actually talk to a real person, so I'm kind of in a jam. So here we are on Anchor. So... Today we want to look at the blood, the blood of Christ, as the Hebrew writer describes it so wonderfully in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, beginning. Let's read the text and then we'll have a few things to say. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, and through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. 
For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. What a wonderful passage. But today, I want us to focus on verse 23. It's very significant. It hit me like a brick when I began to study it. It says, Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, etc., etc., etc. This is the ESV rendering. The word that's rendered copies in verse 23 in the ESV in the King James is rendered patterns. Patterns. Thus it was necessary for the patterns of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. What rites? is he talking about? He's talking about the blood rites. And so it struck me that there has to be some kind of pattern in the scripture regarding the blood. What might that pattern be? Well, he tells us in verse 22 what it is. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness or remission of sin. None. And it struck me that the pattern is that blood has always been the vehicle by which God has dealt with sin from Genesis to Revelation. This is not some kind of guess on my part. We'll see exactly the truth of this as we go through the scriptures here in a moment. But I wanted to uh, look at this word that's rendered copies in the ESV and patterns in the in the King James. It's from a Greek word, hoop ad igma. Hoop ad igma. It's a word that means, as we've just said, patterns, copies, model, paradigm, mirror standard, and parallel. It's very much like anything else in life. If you want to get something right, find the pattern. Get the pattern right. Now, my father was a draftsman at Newport News Shipyard, and he drew schematical three-dimensional drawings, catapults for aircraft carriers. He understood patterns. He didn't call them patterns. It was a schematic or a line drawing or perhaps a blueprint. But my mother was a seamstress. 
and she used patterns. Very, very interesting. Uh, she would take us down to downtown Hampton, Virginia on occasion, and she'd park the car in the parking lot of Leggett's Department Store. And then we'd head down to the basement, and I knew I was in for sheer boredom for what seemed like hours on end as my mother would go through the racks and stacks of patterns for dresses. She was a seamstress, and she loved to look for patterns. And those patterns would come in a packet, and she would take them out, and they would be a very thin paper. You could see through them, but you'd lay them out, and then you would cut your garment uh, using these, these patterns. It was really, really quite remarkable. And uh, that was a pattern, a copy, a model, a paradigm, a mirror, a standard, a parallel, an example, if you please. And this word patterns, this hoop ad igma, is rendered in John 13, 15 as example, and Hebrews 4, 11 as example, and Hebrews 8, 5 as an example. But in 9, 23, as we read, is rendered in the King James patterns, or copies in the ESV. James 5.10, this word is rendered example. In 2 Peter 2.6, it's rendered as example. So we see uh, the patterns and the copies of the blood. In other words, there's a standard approach to the remission of sins from Genesis to Revelation. And that standard pattern, schematic, however you want to characterize it, is blood. Blood remits sin, whether you're talking about in the days of the patriarchs or during the days of Moses or now during the last days, during the days of Christ. Blood is the remitting agent through which forgiveness is given. And so uh, we want to really take a quick look at this as we begin to um, bring this to a close. Uh, blood is the agent of remission. Jesus said in Matthew 26 that in offering the Lord's Supper to the apostles, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the New Testament or the New Covenant, which is shed for many. Remission of sins through blood shed for many. So we see that the blood is the remitting agent in the New Testament. If we go back to a little bit further to the book of um, uh, Hebrews 9, 19-21, as we just read, he talked about Moses instituting the covenant with blood. A very similar um, statement to what Jesus said in Matthew 26. This is the, the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Moses says in verse 20 of Hebrews 9, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. Very similar language to what Christ used in Matthew 26. So we see that Christ instituted his covenant with blood. Moses instituted his covenant 
with blood, but we we go back uh, further, go back further uh, to um, the blood covenant of Abram. The blood covenant of Abram. It's uh, really interesting. If we go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 15, uh, this is not something that today we would find um, acceptable in our society, but it was acceptable then. It's how people uh, made covenants back then, before there was writing, before there was um, paper, etc. And uh, if um, we go back to Genesis 15, God and Abram are making a, a covenant. And uh, verse 6 says that Abram believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness, and he, Abram, said to him, God, uh, or God said to, to him, Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I should possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. Now, when you cut animals in half, what do you get? Blood and a lot of it. So Christ instituted his covenant with blood. Moses instituted his covenant with blood. Abram instituted his covenant with blood. God instituted that covenant with him by blood, but we're not through yet. There was another covenant in Genesis. That was the covenant God made with Noah. And uh, this is really interesting too. Genesis 8, 22, 20 and 22. Uh, when Noah came off the ark and God wanted to make a covenant with him, this is how it took place. Uh, Verse 20, beginning in Genesis 8, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground of man because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and Winter shall not cease. And um, guess what? Uh, Moses, actually rather Noah, solidifies this covenant with a sacrifice, with the shedding of blood. Uh, how do you get a sacrifice that creates an aroma? You have to kill the animal. And when you kill the animal, blood is shed. So Christ shed blood. Moses shed blood. Abram shed blood. Noah shed blood. And yet we're still going backwards. Uh, we come now to uh, Genesis uh, 3 and 4, which is the first example or pattern that we have of shed blood sacrifice. Uh, Genesis uh, 4, beginning chapter, excuse me, 
Genesis 4, verse 1, beginning, Now Adam knew his Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Um, there's a pattern here. Cain didn't follow it. Abel did. And what was the pattern that Abel followed? It was the shedding of blood on an altar of sacrifice. How do we know their blood was shed? Because he says that he offered the fat portions. How do you get a fat portion off of a sheep? You kill it and you shed its blood. So there's blood on the altar right there. Blood of Christ, blood of Moses, blood of Abram, blood of Noah, blood of Abel. Now, where do we find the original prototype schematic or pattern of the shedding of blood in the remission of sins? Well, it's back in the garden. Um... Uh, guess what? Adam and Eve sinned. And in the first instance of false religion, they attempted to cover their sin uh, with fig leaves. Didn't work. Their sin was still with them. And uh, God found them in the, in the garden. And uh, he discovered that they had sin and he dealt with the sin. Uh, verse 20 of Genesis 3. The man called his wife named Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. How do you get an animal skin? You kill the animal and his blood is shed. Shed blood. Adam and Eve had their sins covered by an animal skin that was given to them by God after God killed an animal and shed its blood. You cannot get an animal skin without the shedding of blood. This was the pattern that Adam and Eve taught to Cain and Abel. Cain did not follow the pattern. Adam, Abel, rather, did. And so the pattern of the blood goes from Christ back to Moses, back to Abram, back to Noah, back to Abel, and back to Adam. Blood from beginning to the end is God's remitting agent to deal with sin. So there we have it. Uh, the blood of Christ was shed once and for all, and it flowed from the cross forward to the end of time, and it flowed backward to the beginning of time, covering all the blood of bulls and goats that could not remit sin, but are now remitted by the power of the blood of Christ. The blood flowed back into time and forward into time. Blood is the remitting agent of God from beginning to end, and it's found in the water. And we'll talk about that next time. Thank you.